The Midweek Horror Podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror, covering films, television, books, fiction, and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at horrifiedmag. This is the Midweek Horror Podcast with Hannah Fox and Alice Reed. Hello horror fans and welcome to a somewhat unusual episode of the Midweek Horror Podcast. Contrary to the opening credits that I just played you, this episode isn't presented by Hannah Fox and Ellis Reed because sadly Hannah wasn't around for this one. This is an episode that I recorded with my friend Adam on the last day of the Virtual Fright Fest event in October. It's a bit of an experiment for us in terms of content because what we did was we sat down and we watched the second of the short film showcases that played at Fright Fest and when it was finished we went through the films one by one and recorded a little review of each of them. The reason why I describe this as an experiment is because when we do a podcast about a modern classic like Hereditary or a classic classic like The Innocents, there's a reasonable expectation or maybe hope that lots of people out there will have seen those films and be interested in those films and be willing to sit down and listen to a podcast about them. In this case, Adam and I are talking about films that you probably haven't heard of and which you might not even get an opportunity to see. But the reason why we wanted to try this is because at the Midweek Horror Podcast, we're very keen to support the whole spectrum of horror cinema from the grassroots all the way up to the AAA releases. So we thought we'd give it a whirl. If it's not for you, please feel free to check out our other episodes. Most of them are about more famous films that had wide releases. It may be that this is only of interest to people who were actually at the online Fright Fest event and saw the same films. And if that's the case, then so be it. Alternatively, if you want to give it a shot, I hope you enjoy it. We're putting it out as a sort of Fright Fest bonus episode. And also, don't worry, Hannah will be back. She will be back for the next episode, which we've already recorded, and is our review of the wonderfully named film Polterheist. So without further ado, here's the episode. So we're now at the end of the final day of Fryfest. It's Sunday night. Uh, I'm here with my friend Adam, and we've just watched the second of the short film showcase. We have. So I actually plan to watch quite a lot of films today. I started off with uh, Slacks, which looked like a lot of fun. Towards the beginning of the film, because I've had a lot of early starts recently, I just sort of closed my eyes to rest them for a moment. <laughs> the next thing I knew, I'd woken up in time for the, the second of the short film showcase. So this is actually the, the only film we've got to talk about. Uh, or films, <laughs> I should say, rather, because there's lots of little ones. How about, Adam, would you reckon we just go through them one by one? Yeah, let's not, let's not spoil them for anyone. Let's yeah. just have a quick... We can do a mini review of every one. Yeah, give them our stars ratings. Yeah, definitely. All right, brilliant. Um, the first one was The Devil's Dice. What did you think of this one? So this was the sort of Garth Marenghi meets Evil Dead trailer. A trailer for a fictitious film. Yeah. I'll quickly read the blurb off IMDb. Mm. Six friends fall under the spell of some demonic dice during a birthday weekend away. 
Lost for decades, this recently enough trailer is all that remains of the 80s cult hit that never was. And this was uh, directed, well, it was either directed by the Matt Brothers or somebody called Matt Brothers, uh, who co-wrote it with Luke Russell. And it stars Matt Brothers, okay, is one person. It stars Matt Brothers and Clemens Martin Hickford. I liked it. Described as a, as a Garth Marenghi meets Evil Dead. I love both of those things. So I really enjoyed its kind of silly, quirky, deliberately B-movie vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've done a really great job of capturing that, you know, stuff like the the title of the film on screen. You don't get these enough in horror films anymore. The narrator actually talking in the booming voice yeah. about the film. That seems to have gone out of fashion in real life, but um, they did that really well. It evoked the trailers of Days Gone By. I enjoyed their little nods to things like the Necronomicon, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. All these little tidbits. Yeah, and the special effects were quite fun as well. Cheap special effects, but colourful yeah. ones. Uh, the glowing eyes and stuff. I like the glowing that. eyes, the pumpkin man. Yeah. I, th- I think if they, <laughs> if they got their act together and made a feature yeah. film, I think I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. I quite like the main, uh, the main actor, uh, the one that was shotting the miniatures all the way through. She was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She could, I, I think she could hold her own in any feature film that we saw. Yeah. Super. Uh, so what was your stars rating mm. be? I'm going to go straight down the middle with a three. I'd give it three and a half. Yeah, nice, yeah. solid, nice, solid start to the smorgasbord. Could have put more budget into the eyes, but also, <laughs> also good. I think, I think probably the budget went on the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so next up was Bacamono. Oh, I really like this one. This was yeah, the, the yeah. Breakfast Demon. Yeah, the Breakfast Demon. Yeah. So this is a short film from the US, but it's based on Japanese folklore about a young child who makes the mistake of leaving leftover food out for a household demon. Yeah. It was written and directed by Jorge Lucas and Samure Takamatsu and stars Claudia Fabella, Shio Muramatsu and Dice Suzuki. I'm, I'm doing some quick Googling. Bakamono literally means a thing that changes, a state of transformation or shape-shifting. Hmm. Interesting. So I really enjoyed this one as well. The only bad thing I've got to say about it, really, you know, it was one of those perfect shorts. It had a nice tense build-up. It had a nice ending. And it it feels a bit unfair to criticise the film for this. But the demon makeup, I thought, was a little bit bit disappointing. Yeah, I think without getting into spoilers, the scenes where you see the demon uh, in a bit more shadow, in a bit more dark where the camera doesn't linger too often, and it's a bit a little less detailed, was quite quite good, very effective. But mm. otherwise, yeah, what, I thought the uh, the demon makeup wasn't great. But that, that's the kind of allowance yeah. I'm happy to make for a film like this. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I would give it four stars, I think. Yeah, for a short, definitely four stars. Yeah, it was yeah. very different, something other than kind of classic horror tropes. I liked yeah. The Hungry Breakfast Demon. Not seen yeah, that before. Yeah. yeah, no, that was good. So that was Back in Mono. Next up we had Are You Sleeping, directed by Crystal Yu. And this is described by Frightfest as a waking nightmare. And it's a short film about an insomniac whose colleague recommends a self-hypnosis tape to use at night. 
Oh, yeah. I, I, this is just a bit, bit bland for me. I, I liked the mood it created, mm. but I would have liked there to be, I mean, it's, it's hard because it's a six minute film. Yeah. I would have liked there to be more of a, a clear narrative. Yeah. I think, I thought they were going to go down more of a sleep paralysis route and have a bit more hallucinations, but I felt like they didn't really do much of that. They lingered a lot on the, on the protagonist. I don't know. I felt I really liked the idea, but yeah. I thought they could have done a lot more with it. Even in six minutes, they could have done a lot more. Yes. I thought the, uh, the scene in the middle where he's talking to his colleague was also a bit long and detracted from an opportunity for more horror. Yeah, within the six minutes, they used an awful lot of it for flashback exposition and tension build. Mm. But if anything, I felt I felt it, it broke the tension, those bits. So what would you give it stars-wise? Mm, probably a two. Oh, a two? Yeah. No, I'd give it a three. Give it a three. I'm, I'm being harsh. Yeah, you are. And you it was are. just a blatant advert for Apple iPhones and headphones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do people do that? Do people put... Ear things in when they try to sleep. Cool 2020 people do. Right, listening, okay. Listening to demonic WAV files. Yeah. I just get the gramophone on when I'm <laughs> <not> off. <laughs> so, for the next short film, we might actually have to do a bit of Googling. I'll give you a description first. It's a short film about a jazz musician directed by James Charlambides and produced by Evan Heaney. And the name of the film is Melomaniac. And that's a word I've never heard before. So what does melomania mean? So I'm going to hazard a guess that it's um, melodramatic crossed with mania. Someone who is obsessed with melodrama because he was very melodramatic. What does the mellow in melodrama mean? Let's look. Melodrama. Right. Melodrama. Yeah. A sensational dramatic piece with exaggerated characters and exciting events intended to appeal to the emotions. But let's get the etymology. What does mellow mean? Uh, It's from the Greek music. Oh, that's actually a really good name. Milos. (laughs) Okay. So he's obsessed with music. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, can't say fairer than that, really. He's a musician. Hit the nail right on the head. So this had so much going on, actually. I will, I will read what they've put. A musician struggles to find inspiration in the abandoned home of his idol and his erratic state. That's putting it mildly. <laughs> Just a bit. Yeah. His erratic state becomes dangerous for him and his boyfriend. So I really wanted to like this and there was loads that I did like about it. I loved the house. I loved the setting. Yeah. I loved the vibe. I really liked the way it was shot. It was really well shot, actually, yeah. Really well put together visually. Mm, I loved the camera work. thought the, the two of them looked really good. But every time one of them opened their mouths, I just couldn't engage with it. The dialogue was so unnatural, and it just reminded me so much of drama school plays where... So I, th- I think this did actually come out of a drama school, based probably on... Probably why, then. <laughs> the, there was the message at the beginning... Not message... Um, that makes it sound like somebody's died. But the, the, the opening credits did say such and such a film school. Bournemouth Film School. That was it, wasn't and it? And as a piece of film, I thought it was brilliant. I thought yeah. the actual cinematography was great. It was just the acting I couldn't get on board with. And to tell you the truth, I've seen much worse, both in terms of script and acting, in actual films that have got <laughs> uh, a video-on-demand release, feature-length yeah. films. 
the writing of it was like trying to write lines that sound cool, but which people wouldn't say to each other in that context. Exactly. It's, it's that drama school thing where no one would ever have a conversation like that yeah. in the real world. So it just always comes across as really forced. I think in terms of storytelling, there's a bit here around maturity as a storyteller where you've got all these ideas sloshing around, especially if you're doing a short, pick one of them and do it justice. I think as a cerebral film about depression, it would have been more effective yeah. than trying to bring in the ghost subplot that almost did verge on Patrick Swayze's ghost at one point. I know what you mean. I think too. too no, I know the bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just put a clay pot pot in place of that piano and you've got, <laughs> you've got a Swayze scene. Yeah. It, it wanted to do a lot of things. I thought the, the side plots about the club and the performance again just kind of detracted from what was quite an interesting journey through someone's yeah. spiral into depression. I will say a lot of promise here. Put it this way if I knew that these guys were bringing out another film, I'd check it out. Yeah, definitely. I think if they're just taking half the lines away, even and just let, let the film speak for itself a bit more, which yeah. again, I think speaks to maturity in, in writing and the confidence that you don't have to fill every scene with dialogue. Yeah. What would you give it for stars? I'll give it a three and a half because it it did a lot that I liked, but I couldn't enjoy it as a whole piece enough to give it a four. I think I'd give it a three or a three and a half. I'd give it three and a quarter, so I'd never given a quarter star before. 3.25. I'm going to go 3. for 3.33. 3. I'm going to give it pi. Pi. I'll give it exactly pi. <laughs> The next one, Heat. Hmm, I don't think we saw that one. A girl just wants some ice cream on a hot day, but it seems she might have gone to the wrong parlour. I know I was going to the toilet a lot, and it says it was only two minutes long. <laughs> Is it possible that I... I don't even remember that one. Okay, maybe they That came sure. before, before Your Monster. Okay, well, there's not much we can say about Heat. No. Either it wasn't shown, or we missed it. Or it was extremely unmemorable. I Let's don't remember any Dutch ice cream movies. No. I think I would have remembered a Dutch ice cream movie. I think I have to <laughs> default two and a half stars with this one. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> All right, your monster. Nothing is going right for Laura. Sick and broken hearted, she moves back home and finds that the terrifying monster who inhabited her closet as a kid is still alive and well and wants to talk about life. This was written and directed by Caroline Lindy, and it stars Kaylani Erica Davis, Tommy Dewey, and Scott Michael Foster. I think I'm right in saying, Adam, when we were sat on the sofa, we both agreed that this was a film that sort of grew on us as it went on. Yeah, and I, I, as you say, really grew on me. I think it takes a while for the film to explain to you what it's trying to do, but once that clicks, it all falls together, and it's yeah. quite enjoyable. I think for the first third to a half, I didn't really know where it was going. Yeah. But once I did, I really liked it. It was quite sweet as well. Yeah, but by the end, I was definitely happy. When the, the monster first mm. showed up, I thought, Jesus Christ, this guy is insufferable. And I wasn't a huge fan of his makeup either, not because it was bad, but because he looked like more like an alien species in a sci-fi. Insufferable is definitely a good word. Near the end, his character was a lot more tender and thoughtful, yes. and I was really drawn to the two of them in those moments. But in the beginning, he's just too corny yeah, and yeah. trying too hard to be funny, 
like a Poundland Beetle juice with some of yeah. his lines. Like you, I got drawn in, drawn into his relationship with the protagonist. One thing I will say, we've talked about the character of the monster, but I thought the actor who played him did a really good job in the role. Yeah. I think when I found him annoying, he was probably meant to be annoying. I also think the lead actress was very good. And even though we only spent 16 minutes with them, I was very invested mm. in their weird little relationship. And that made the payoff quite satisfying. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Definitely. I think I'd give it three and a half. How about you? I think the same, three and a half. Yeah. I feel a lot of three and a halves coming in this. Yeah. Well, you're highly unlikely to really hate a short film because one of the things that really turns you against a bad film normally is the fact that you've got to sit through it for a minimum about 80 minutes. Oh, a, you know, you really get time to despise it. There's a zero out of five coming up in my reviews. Don't oh, excellent. I, actually, I think I might know which one you need. Next up, we've got Teething, or Teething, I should say. Uh, a lonely janitor must make a choice when a vampire... T- talk about spoilers. When a vampire attack leaves him the sole caretaker of an orphaned and possibly monstrous infant. This is a nine-minute film written and directed by Glenn Matthews, starring Josh Crudus, Hugh Thompson, and Aisha Mansa gonzalez You really like this I one, really like that one, yeah. I thought the performance of the main character, even in just nine minutes, was really good. He had some sort of Parkinson's. He thought he played that really well. Oh, did he? Is that yes? Because you're laughing at him trying to dial the phone. It was very bad taste. <laughs> oh, I didn't I see him. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay. he thought he was just rubbish at using phones. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> did I miss the beginning of this one? Was I in the toilet? Um. I'm just wondering if I missed it. Yeah, you might have missed the bit where he was... So he was really struggling to put his coat on right at the beginning of the... Oh, okay. Short. Yeah, yeah. I ran to the toilet. Um, one thing I will say, short film show- showcase, pace was pretty relentless. Yeah, non-stop. <laughs> no time for breaks. Yeah, yeah. And if you miss a bit of a film, you, you might struggle to get back into the groove. Um, I really liked it too. Uh, it's basically about a caretaker, a hospital... We think it was a hospital because the the other character, the female lead, was what was she wearing a nurse's uniform? Yeah, so I think it was one of those places where either newborn or unclaimed babies all get put in a room because all the babies right. had name tags on the cribs. Of course, yeah. Because at first I was a bit baffled as to why, when it was obviously not a home, a woman was there with her baby. It reminded me exactly of the asylum in Terminator 2. So I thought they'd gone to something like that. Minus... Sarah Connor. Basically, without without spoilers, the baby comes under threat. This is only nine minutes long. Told a really good story. It was exciting. Had a nice finish. Yeah, nice finish. It it, it could have been really corny, but I think baby stuff can go really badly, particularly when you have to start using prosthetic babies. It, it can look really cheap, mm. but they managed to do it in such a way where it didn't yeah, spoil. Yeah the atmosphere at any moment. Yeah. No, I'll agree with that. What would you give it stars-wise? I really liked it. I want to give it a four... I'd say for a short, I want to give it up to a four and a half, maybe. That's fair, actually. For Yeah, for a short, four and a half. I was going to say four, 
But you're right. I mean, how much how much can you reasonably expect? And I would say from a, a nine minute movie, I couldn't I couldn't expect a huge amount more, really. And of every film we saw, the the janitor's acting was the best. I thought he could have been in, you know, a regular feature length film. Yeah, whereas yeah. everyone else in all the films was, you know, you could tell this is not they're not actors by their day job. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. filmmakers. The Hag. Didn't see it. Didn't see it. And that was maybe seven minutes. There's no we way. We definitely didn't miss that. I didn't move anywhere. <laughs> no, you didn't. And I definitely wasn't in the toilet for seven minutes. So that just wasn't wasn't part of the lineup. Again, I'm really sorry, The Hag. But I'm going to have to default to two and a half stars. <laughs> well, I think The Hag is still going to score higher than the next film on the list. So I'm going <laughs> to score a film I didn't see higher than <laughs> Norman. <laughs> I, th- I think it's important to give stars to the films that didn't even show up, just so when when we put these in order, we can really, really put home. Norman. How bad Norman was? How would you describe? How would you describe Norman? Well, I think you put it best, where you at first believed it was a satire of a European art house movie. Yeah. But it actually was just a bad European art house movie. Yeah, Spanish, black and white, three minutes long, um, a very sort of sexy Spanish voiceover with a series of, as far as I could tell, unrelated sentences mm. and it, narrative-free images it was, of people looking beautiful. It was just one line away from being an advert for a say Ibiza. Yes. <laughs> it had that kind of... Just we're just gonna say philosophical sounding things to make a poetic atmosphere, but none of it's really gonna make any sense. Yeah, I I, could, I did I did not get any story or narrative out of it. I didn't know what it was. Norman was just a weird guy in Spain, just just weirding around, doing weird things behind women in cafes. <laughs> also, I don't know if like in Spain maybe the name Norman has some sort of. You think it's a cautionary tale in Spain against Normans? <laughs> I was, I was going to just, I was just going to say, is that like, um, like quite a glamorous name in Spain? Not a man. <laughs> oh, not a man. Because <laughs> it, there was quite for me, there was quite a conflict between the tone of the film and the title they gave it. Yeah, Norman. Norman. Yeah, if you were to name a film. Diego here, would it would it give it the same gravitas? I don't know. <laughs> oh, stars rating. Just because visually it was very, you know, in a perfume ad kind of way, very nice. I'm going to give it a star, but I I was completely unenlightened by it. I didn't know what was going on. and I, d- I didn't know what the story was or if there was a story. I, I have to... Stick to my convictions on this one. It's getting no stars. No stars. Norman was uh, an expensive car commercial <laughs> with a dead body in it. Oh, was there a dead body? Yeah, at one point there was a very obviously fake dead body in the street. I think we were supposed to assume Norman had pushed a woman out of the window. Spoilers. <laughs> oh. This is why he kept creepily standing behind women. Oh, really? <laughs> but it was very poorly explained. Slash not explained. Yeah, okay. There was just a fleeting scene of a dead woman in the street and Norman looking a bit weird. 
I so I thought that was Norman <laughs> lying in the street and misunderstood what was going on there. Okay, well I, I think we just spent longer talking about Norman than the film actually lasted. So let's move on to Peking. P-E-A-K-I-N-G. Do words have consequences? After a long day on set, a sound recordist starts to hear more than just toxic conversation, leading her on a deep descent into horror. Room by room she searches for the source of an ominous sound she can't escape from. So this was directed by Daniel Rands, who co-wrote it with Catherine McCorgary Gray, and it stars Louisa Harris. And I think I'm right in saying... This was your favourite short film of the showcase. So I think it's a joint favourite for me with uh, Teething, um, both similar names. But I really liked Peking. So Peking was a film about a sound engineer filming, I guess, background audio, ambient audio yeah, yeah. of a of a of a haunted house. I mean, maybe it's a little bit meta. Were they making a horror movie, and she was filming the ambient room noise for the horror movie? Yeah, we didn't we didn't really know what the the film was. All we knew in terms of narrative is that everyone else has gone off to the rap party. And like you say, she's staying behind because she wants to capture the ambient noise of each room to help smooth out the audio in the edit. And it all gets a bit creepy. I think the focus was to try and make a film where just the audio was the horror and the visuals were secondary to the audio. And the visuals were very the good. The visuals were very good. good. Um, and as you know, I'm a big fan of Mandy. I like anything where they just wash everything out with the colour pink. Big fan of that. <laughs> um, I, I, I really like just playing with the audio. I thought it was, it didn't really have a plot, didn't really have any characters, but didn't really need them. It was just eight minutes of vibe. And I really like that. So what I would really like you to see, because it's got a strong audio component as well, is a film by Peter Strickland, feature length, called Barbarian Sound Studio. And check it out. You can find it on Amazon. You might have to pay for it. I'll definitely check stream it out. It. It's a very interesting film. Uh, I won't tell you too much about it. If you want to re- read it before you see it, then you can do. But you might really love that, actually. I really like that. I'll, I'll, I think the the other film with the sleep uh, tapes could have learned a lot from Peking. I think it was trying to do a similar thing where the audio alone was trying to make you scared. But for me, just didn't didn't do it as well as Peking did. I think as a whole package, it was much more unsettling. What would you give it stars? I think same as Teething, four to four and a half. It'd be a 4.25. So because it was a bit light on narrative, and especially in short films, I like, you know, almost like a little cautionary tale or something. I like a strong, clear narrative. For me, it'd be three stars, three and a half. But it was very well made. The cautionary tale was you should never record an empty room. It's going to get creepy. I, d- I don't know what <laughs> happened to her. She exploded. <laughs> oh right I'll edit that out that's a spoiler <laughs> did she explode well I mean her ears started bleeding at the end so okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to reach into the future and, and say there was a scanner's moment a scanner's moment <laughs> and okay. she just explodes off camera Disco Graveyard this was I think you described it as a, a weird music video it was a weird PowerPoint presentation made of lots of different stock images. Yeah. Um, not too much we can spoil in that one, really. Uh, 
Yeah. It's, uh, it's a voiceover, which, to be honest, was very good. She's good at doing that style of voiceover. Yeah. Doing a bit of a, like, train-spotting, choose-lifestyle monologue with weird images in the background. Yeah. It was good at what it was. I don't think it was for me. I think I would have rather had another, I guess, another horror film. I didn't feel it was doing much in the way of horror. Yeah, yeah. I think I just feel completely neutral about it. Two and a half stars. Same for me. Two and a half stars. Yeah. Now, according to this list, there's only one film left, but we've got two more films. Yeah, so we had um, we had the little short about the baby in the cot at the end. Yes, we did. Uh, which isn't on the list. Okay, yeah. So we, and know we, what, we know what we're finishing off with. Which was called... Uh, Night Feed. Night Feed, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but next up was Don't Walk. And I had a lot of goodwill to this from the minute the creator of the film popped up and explained the inspiration for the film. I thought it was a great idea for a horror story. And I think, did she say she, they were make, working on a feature-length version? They're doing it? some kind of feature version, yeah. I will definitely, definitely check it out. It's basically about a couple of people who are into rambling. They decide they're too boring, they need to be more spontaneous. So they scrap their plan for a ramble and decide to do a randomly chosen walk from a book of walks. And they run into a spot of bother. Shall we say? (laughs) Yeah. It says in the blurb on the Fright Fest website, they might want to quicken their pace if they want to stay alive. Hi guys, sorry for the interruption. Uh, When I was editing this episode, I realised that I'd actually forgotten to name any of the people involved with Don't Walk. And I wanted to quickly correct that error. It's a film by Hannah George. She co-wrote it with Toby Williams. And Toby Williams co-stars with Rachel Stubbings. I really like this, and I think I really liked it because I just loved the performances of um, the two main characters as a sort of adorable couple who were really comfortable in their own little boring bubble. There was something in the film for me that really invoked classic 80s to 90s British comedy, Reeves and Mortimer style characters, almost like League of Gentlemen at one point yeah, in, yeah. The t- in The Two Walkers. I really liked it. The, the scene in the pub at the beginning was very good. Um, and just their whole setup going into the forest was really, really well done. I would definitely watch a feature version of it. I really liked where it went at the end. Yeah. Yeah, really, really well done. I think that was my favourite of all of them, to be honest. wouldn't say it was the, the most well-made, although it was or in the upper, the upper percentile, I would say. Not my personal style of horror movie that I like, but as a film, I really enjoyed it. I would give it four and a half stars. I'd give it, uh, I'd give it, yeah, four and a half stars. Excellent. And then the last film we saw was a little, I can't think it was much more than two minutes long. I said to Hannah yesterday, it's quite hard to do a review of a short film because there's so little material there. It's like trying to do a spoiler-free review of a joke. <laughs> it's quite hard. And this was even worse in that the film itself was maybe, what, eight frames? <laughs> Ten it frames? Was ve- it was very short. And bef- it was called Night Feed. And before it started, the filmmaker popped up and said, yeah, so basically the idea behind this film is this happens, but then it turns out it's this. So um, I hope you <laughs> like it. Like, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing else to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, looked good. Well made. 
It's little, almost like um, it's so short. Well, I said joke before. It's almost like a little cinematic joke. But the filmmaker told us the punchline before we saw it, and it's so short. We I can't even really talk about it without spoiling it. But I did like this the the main idea of trying to turn the perspective of that relationship, shall we say, on its head. I thought was really interesting, and you yeah, could do, yeah. you could do quite a lot with that. I think it could have made a really strong 10 minutes short with a series of things being shown from that very subjective viewpoint and misconstrued. I would have quite liked to have seen the whole thing done in first person, which I think would, so you could have worked out what was going on for yourself as opposed to being spoon fed it so much. No pun intended. Yeah, Double spoon fed it. Yeah. (laughs) It's too many puns. I love, I love, I love the idea that the filmmaker was looking there after he made it and was like, do, do you think they'll get it? I don't think I will get it. We better explain it. I'll do a prologue and tell him what it, what, what's going on. He's shown it to <laughs> one of his mates who's not got it. That's panicked him. <laughs> um, it was well made though. I, f- I find it hard to form much of a response to the very short shorts. No. Okay. So Ellis, what's your stars for Nightfeed? I'd give it three. It looked great. Yeah, it looked good. There's almost so little to rate. I'm not sure how many stars to give it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to go again with two and a half, I think. Okay, yeah. Very neutral towards it. Right, let's do our Oscars. What should we call our awards? You wouldn't do Oscars for, for horrors when you give them a name. The shorties. The shorties. Okay, I like that. (laughs) All right, Ellis, let's do the shorties. Let's give out our awards for these shorts. Let's start with your best actor. Okay, my best actor. I really enjoyed the performance. (laughs) And this is is a mark of how professional the shorties are as an award-giving operation. (laughs) I really enjoyed... Whoever it was, uh, can I can I give out a joint award? It was the couple. The you can couple do a joint award out of Don't Walk. Who were Toby Williams and Rachel Stubbings? Ah, now mm-hmm. for the benefit of the tape, you can't see this at home, but Adam actually just got that out of a gold envelope. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm on a stage. Brilliant. And um, who would? Who I would think yours mine be? would have to be who I'm assuming, based on him being first in the list. <laughs> is Hugh Thompson, who played the janitor in Teething. Brilliant. I really enjoyed his performance. Yeah. Shorties all round. Yeah. Next award, we're going to do best visuals. Best visuals. Ooh, tough one. Okay, you go first this time. So we can also include things like special effects if you want. I've definitely got an honourable mention for this one. Um, Okay, let me think about it. So I'm going to I'm going to have to give best visuals uh with an honorable inclusion of best sound design <laughs> to Peking which for me was a real a real treat for the senses. Do you know what we were a bit critical of it but I think the best looking movie for me was Melomaniac. Yeah, I could I I'd, I'd give uh, I give a second in my awards to to Melomania. Yeah, oh, we just we, <laughs> we've been quite liberal with our awards. Here. Yeah, we're giving awards left right and center. We center. get about three best actors. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? You know, it's, yeah. let's be nice. Why, yeah, why? yeah. 
I'm going to give an honourable mention to the glowing eyes in Devil's Dice. Uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the look of that, you know, the retro look of that whole trailer. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. I did really enjoy that retro look. Yeah. Let's move into best story, shall we say? Yeah. Best story. Ooh. Who's going to go first? Uh, you, yours, your go. I think it's got to be Don't Walk again. Really like that. Really like the concept. And, you know, quite often when people are criticising a feature film, especially in the horror genre, they say, oh, it's like a short film that's been padded out to a feature length. I think this definitely felt like a feature length film. That had been shrunk in. (laughs) There was a feature length film dying to get out of this short. And really, I hope they do get off the ground. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Of all the films that we saw, it clearly had the most potential to be turned into a feature film. There was a lot more mileage there. Those characters could have done a lot more. Yep. How about you? I think for me, it's got to be, let me pronounce this right, Bakamono. Yeah, I really love nice. Bakamono. I really like folklore. I love little folk tales. Don't know much about Japanese folk tales, but I really enjoyed this one. I thought the idea of a of a hungry demon that comes and steals your leftovers was just a really nice idea. I thought yeah. it was well executed. I'm glad Bakamono isn't going home empty-handed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it, it was it was early on. It's easy to forget, but I really liked it, um, and I want to get, I want to give it something. But it deserves best story. Enjoyed it. Yeah, lovely, lovely. And now we have our best overall. And for this one, I'm going to bust out the drum roll sample. Bust out a drum roll sample. Fanfare. This is the golden shorty. The golden shorty. <laughs> this is the big shorty. So the Adam Award. For best overall feature goes to... Teething. Teething. Teething, I think, for me, it hit the mark in lots of different ways. It was well acted, well shot. I liked the the, the plot. I liked the, the, the direction. I thought it didn't get cheesy at any point. Had a good vibe. And it was a nice little neat package. Didn't... Tempo was good, never felt slow, never felt rushed. Great little short. Yeah, lovely. And now, the Ellis Reed Big Shorty Award goes to... Don't Walk. Don't Walk. You love Don't Walk. Yeah, I love Don't Walk. I really did. Really liked it a lot. It deserves a lot. It was a great film. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for doing that. No Adam. problem. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I did. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and for pizza. Um, if you want to come round the next episode, Hannah and I are doing. I want to do a comeback episode when the um, when the the what was it? I can't remember the name of the film. The Walking film when that has its feature. Don't walk. From, don't walk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll have to do a comeback for that. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Tune in next time for more midweek horror. Don't get scared now. Mm-hmm.